most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins, and we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 2. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. The Gospel of the Lord. Christmas account is one of those timeless stories that tell the birth of our Savior that we love to hear year after year. And that story is often told in a lot of different ways, from the simple reading of the words from Luke chapter 2, to singing the many songs and carols that put those words into song, to the nativities that you put in your home and even in churches and the different programs and even live nativities that get people into character themselves as they put those words into action. I want you to think just a moment about those characters because like every good story, the Christmas account has a lot of good characters. So think about those characters for a moment. You have the characters like the angels, shepherds, wise men. Maybe you throw in an innkeeper or a couple Roman guards You have the barnyard animals gathered in the stable. And of course, you have Mary standing there next to the manger, surrounding the star of it all, the little baby Jesus. Now, while the angels and shepherds get a lot of stage time and some great songs written about them, and every little girl wants to be Mary in the play, there's one character that often gets overlooked. 
and doesn't have a whole lot of great songs written about him and, and doesn't get a whole lot of attention paid to him. It's the one character that I haven't even mentioned yet. Joseph. You remember Joseph, right? And while Joseph doesn't get a whole lot of attention in the, the Christmas account, there he is in every single nativity scene, standing right there next to the manger with that dutiful, watchful glance. Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, the carpenter from Nazareth. And while he might not get a whole lot of attention on Christmas Eve and day, today is his moment to shine. For today in the Gospel from Matthew chapter 2, we see how God used Joseph as a, for a very important role in the life of Jesus. And in this story, in this account, we see a, power, a powerful display of the Father's love. After Jesus was born, the new young family hung around Bethlehem for some time. And it was during that time that the famous visit from the wise men took place. During this quest, as they were trying to find the newborn king, they made a stop in Jerusalem as the wise men sought the assistance of King Herod. Now, King Herod was a very cruel and merciless and jealous king. And so when he heard from the wise men that there was a newborn king, well, he just couldn't have a rival to his throne. So he declared that every boy who was born in Bethlehem and its surrounding area, two years and younger, should be put to death. Now, if Herod's decree had been carried, was going to be carried out, it would seem that Jesus was going to meet a very untimely death. That is until you see the Father's love. The Lord God loved his dear son, Jesus, even as Herod raged against him. And God sent an angel to Joseph and said to him, uh, the plan that Herod had to, to put to death Jesus and instructed Joseph to gather Mary and Jesus and to escape to Egypt, where there they would be safe from any danger. And so Joseph, out of love for a son that wasn't his own and love for his his dear wife Mary, and love and obedience for his heavenly Father, immediately in the middle of the night gathered together Mary and Jesus and they set off on the long journey to Egypt. But who does that? I mean, think about it. Who goes out of their way and does what is necessary to rescue others? Well, it's kind of an easy question, right? I mean, it's the one who rescues them is the one who loves them, who cares for them. A father loves and protects his child and his family. Joseph loved this child, Jesus, adopted as his very own, but he loved him even more than that because this was his Savior. The Lord God loved his son and didn't send him into the world to fend for himself. God did not give the greatest gift that our world needed, a Savior from sin, to just let him be murdered a few months into it. And not fully complete his work. No, God stepped in because he loved his son Jesus, his one and only. But God saved Jesus because he had a great love for someone else. You. 
You see, when God sent Joseph and Mary and Jesus off to Egypt, he wasn't just saving his son Jesus. He was guarding and protecting your salvation, your rescue from sin and death. If Herod would have succeeded and put Jesus to death just months after he was born, the the sacrifice wouldn't have been complete. The world would have won. You would still be in your sin and it would be your responsibility to fix this huge problem of sin before you and God. But that's not the case. God was in control and God won. He was not going to let a cruel king of this world destroy the king of the universe. He was not going to let this this painful moment in history ruin his plan to save all people from their sins. God used Joseph and his loving and faithful parenting to protect Jesus, so that this little child born in Bethlehem would grow up to be the perfect Savior for you and for me. We heard in this account of the horrendous events that took place as innocent children were murdered just months into Jesus' life. It's a stark reminder of the whole reason why Jesus had to come into this world to rescue and to restore what has been lost in sin and ruined by sin. But that painful moment in history is is very much like some of the painful moments that afflict your own life. A painful moment like perhaps the heartbreaking loss of your own child. The painful moment of, of the battles of depression and loneliness, and rejection. The deep pits of financial ruin. The life-changing accidents and diseases that affect you. The burden that is so often overwhelming of guilt that we feel about the things we've done in the past, and sometimes even of our, our, of our present. And it's those moments, and, and others like them, that remind us of the consequences and the effects of sin. But it's also in those moments that I pray that you remember the one who came into this world of mourning and weeping in order to give you life and hope. Jesus was born into this world and even at his birth, it didn't stop all the suffering of this world. As we saw so quickly in Jesus' life, there was still trouble. But Jesus' birth into this world set into motion the work that he would do to be the perfect Savior for you and for me and to rescue us from sin and death. You see, God did not, or loves you so dearly that he does not want you to be overwhelmed by painful moments in life and to be lost in sin. But God sent you his Son and protected that Son so that through that one and only Son of God, he would be the perfect substitute for you and me in life and in death. That he would pay the price for all of your sins and give you a relationship, an eternal relationship with God. And through faith in Christ Jesus, you get to escape and run into the refuge of God's mighty and forgiving hands. And there, Satan cannot touch you. And sin cannot hold you back. 
And the sorrows and struggles of this world cannot rob you of the joy that is yours in knowing that you have life and forgiveness and an eternal place in heaven. God cared for his son Jesus so that through Jesus, God can care for you now and forever. In every nativity scene, Joseph is always there, kind of standing quietly off to the side with that look of love and protection for his family. And maybe it gives us just a little bit of a glimpse as to the love of our Heavenly Father, who is always standing there quietly off to the side, watching over you with his loving and protecting eye. He promises. He promises that. Now think about promises for just a moment. A promise is a commitment that somebody might make to do something or not to do something. And we make promises to one another. We make these kinds of commitments to others. But you all understand the struggles that we often have with promises. They're not always easy for us to keep. I ran across an article of a person describing this challenge of promises. I'd like to share it with you. It says this, I don't know what will happen in the future, but I promise you one thing. I'll always be your friend. A very dear friend of mine said this to me 11 years ago. It's been five years now since we last met. A year since I heard his voice. Nine months since I last received a text from him. The writer's conclusion Promises are made by humans, and humans change. You get that, don't you? You understand the challenge that we have with promises. And yet here we have in in the word before us today, a beautiful depiction of God's love for his son, a love that he has for you and me, his promise to rescue us and provide for us and protect us, to bring us into his eternal home. He promises these things. But then our heads get filled with all the track records of others who have failed in their promises to us and our own shortcomings in keeping promises And then we start to wonder whether God can actually keep his promises, especially when we see so much tragedy and disappointment around us. But notice what happens. Joseph took God at his word. God told Joseph that danger was coming, but he would be safe if they go to Egypt. Joseph trusted God, and there he found rescue and refuge. Later on, God promised to to Joseph, Herod is dead, it is safe for you to go back into Israel. And Joseph again trusted and put that trust, that faith into action and went back. And even more than that, in this account, these few verses we have before us, three times is repeated the same phrase, so was fulfilled. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. A prophecy from the Old Testament book of Hosea being fulfilled in Jesus' life. And again, then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. And again, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be a Nazarene. Do you see it? God promises 
and he fulfills it. It doesn't matter how much time passes or what kind of obstacles seem to be in the way or how many attacks against those promises might come. God is always faithful and always keeps his promises. How is that possible? Listen to this important insight and truth that God shares with us from the book of Numbers, chapter 23. God is not human, that he should lie. Not a human being, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? When temptations attack, when sin overwhelms you, when doubts creep in and and when events all around you make you wonder whether God's promises are even achievable, your heart needs to be reminded of this truth. God is faithful. And that faithful God promises many things. God loves you. See in the way that he loved his son. God forgives you. See in the way that that son loved you so much that he gave up his life to pay the price for your sins. God promises to be with you, to be a refuge and a strength. See this as you run to Jesus in faith and with a trusting and believing heart. Your attacks, the world's attacks, Satan's attacks cannot stop God from being faithful today and always. That is the love of a father. Today, Joseph finally gets his chance to shine and to be in the spotlight. And even though he does play a prominent role in the gospel from Matthew chapter 2, he still finds himself taking a backstage spot behind the real father. The father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Heavenly and eternal Father. And that Heavenly Father shows just how deep His love is for us, that He would go to every length to protect you, His children, and to be faithful to all of His promises for you. And because of Jesus Christ, you get to be a child of this loving Father. I pray that you dwell in the house of this loving Father and in His amazing love both now and always. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you.